0: Dude, like, what? What did the SEC tournament do for anybody? Like, have you ever seen anything like that where you you get to a a tournament where you know we talked about how how tough it was going to be, how how important it was going to be, how amazing it was going to be uh, for competition, and like nothing that happened in Tampa seemed to really matter at all because Tennessee got screwed, Texas A&M got really screwed. And it didn't really affect Auburn or Kentucky at all in terms of their seeding. Maybe it's good something?
1: for maybe it's good for Tennessee's psyche. I,
0: I guess. And like Tennessee get Tennessee got a pretty favorable draw. Uh, we were gonna talk about Auburn's draw. I think Auburn's is pretty favorable considering what, what it could have been. I think Tennessee, even as a three C, they get a pretty good path um to make a run here. But like I mean, what is it? Like Alabama loses to Vanderbilt early in the tournament or in the first round, and they get a what? They get a six seed? Nothing changed. Nothing changed. Auburn had a shot. If they would have won a couple of games, and if Kansas didn't run the table in the Big 12, they had a shot to be a number one seed. Obviously, it doesn't work out. They lose to a really, really hot Texas A&M team. Kansas makes that push, and it didn't matter. I mean, look, the Big 12 tournament didn't really matter for Baylor. Everybody's talking about the loss they had to Oklahoma and getting out early. Like, that didn't matter. So... What's the point of conference tournaments then? Especially for these high conferences, like these major conferences, if nothing matters. Texas A&M, not only was Texas A&M, they didn't get in. They were the fourth team out, according to the selection committee, right? And they put in a Notre Dame team that their only thing on their resume is that they beat Kentucky three months ago. They put in a Rutgers team that just doesn't have a really good record at all, period. And Texas A&M gets hot at the end of the season. It's not just what they did in Tampa. They get hot in the end of the season and and they're out. Like I I don't I don't understand. What they were able to do down the stretch should have gotten them in. And nothing nothing mattered. Nothing mattered on 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 Saturday or Sunday pretty much across the board because like you could even say Duke losing to I mean okay, Duke lost and got a 2 seed. Pretty much it. They have a worse resume than Tennessee does. They have a worse resume than a lot of teams do. But, like, what's the point? To get, oh, was that all that just to get Duke into Greenville? Like, I don't know. Like, what, what in the world were they doing in this? Auburn was the top two seed, which you can make an argument for for sure, especially if your competition is Kentucky and Villanova and, and Duke. Auburn probably has the best resume out of all, th- uh, out of, all of those teams. Why, what did we just do this past week, and why does it even matter? If if this is how the committee is going to treat it, I'm I'm all for not overreacting to the final weekend, but l- at least make it matter a little bit.
1: I'm sure that the ad revenue was pretty solid.
0: <laughs> ESPN got a lot of money. Is that is that what it is? is so ESPN can get a ton of money because they're not getting it for the NCA tournament because that's when CBS gets the the billion plus uh, every year from 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 this uh, from this uh, madness that we're about to go on. Like I just, I, I feel Texas A and M, man. Texas A and M. If you look at it down the stretch of the season, you know they're on Ken Palm. They have a higher seat. They have a higher ranking on Ken Palm than. Let's see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Looks like teams that got in as as at large bids. They're a better team on Kempom right now than Providence, who's a freaking 4 seed. And Painter, did you see what happened to Providence this weekend?
1: What happened to Providence this weekend, Justin?
0: They gave up a 26 to 2 run in the semifinal of uh of the Big East Championship and uh and got smoked. Like that obviously none of that matters Not what AM and M just did in beating Auburn. And beating Arkansas and giving Tennessee a good game. I mean, I, Tennessee was in control of that the whole way, but they gave Tennessee a good game. Um, it didn't matter. And like, is this just vindication because you said that Arkansas would smoke Texas A and M and they didn't, and now, and now the now the painter sharpless uh, was right. Uh, uh, train is going to be there because Buzz Williams' team's going to the NIT. <laughs>
1: Yeah, another vibe check for me. A lot of bad ones this week. Not my best material.
0: I just I, I feel bad I feel bad for AM. I feel bad for Tennessee just slightly just because of the seeding, but again, I think their their path as a three seed is easier than the what some of the two seeds are gonna have to go through. Not Auburn, but um, you know, some of those. Uh it's just I don't know, man. Like it's gotta matter. And some people are talking about should the SEC move their tournament back a day? and have those finals on Saturday, because on Sunday, that's that's the whole thing. It's like, they're not going to overreact on Sunday. Um, if Purdue would have beaten Iowa in the Big Ten tournament, literally right before the selection show starts, maybe Purdue gets into a two seed, or maybe not. Maybe they're just stuck. They were just going to be a three, because that's what Tennessee was. Tennessee was just going to be a three no matter what happened on, on Sunday. So maybe you move it around a little bit. I don't know. Like It's just, it, it doesn't make a ton of sense. I think, Yeah, I think the bracket is good in some spots, but then in some spots it's like, man, y'all really screwed some of these teams. Um, But I think for the people who are listening to this, uh, at least Auburn was not the team that got screwed.
1: I contend that Auburn can beat anybody if it's, you know, got a certain, like if two out of its three guards are playing well, you got your front court defense is going to be good enough. I do tend to fall in line with the idea that there could be a worse draw for Auburn here. I think Auburn might. Might have a nice path to the Sweet 16. But, you know, that second-round game is going to be uh, challenging,
0: I guess. Oh, for sure. Is the mildest way to put it. Yeah, if you shoot like Auburn has had and some of their recent performances away from home, you can lose to anybody. You can lose to anybody. And, like, some people are going to be like, oh, you know, Jacksonville State could beat them. And, like, sure, if Jacksonville State got unholy hot from deep and Auburn played a really bad game away from home, sure, maybe, potentially, Um you know, two fifteen upsets have happened before, and they've happened to really obviously. You got to be a really good team to get to to a two seed, but, um, yeah, Auburn, Auburn, Auburn could have got out of this a lot worse, and uh, I guess we're going to talk talk about that. But, you know, how weird it is for me to sit here and say like I'm caping for Texas A and M basketball. Like I'm felt like I'm I'm legitimately like just feeling bad for him at this point. And you put in Notre Dame, you put in Rutgers. Does anybody want to see either of those two teams play basketball right now, besides the fans of those respective teams? Man, Notre Dame's got two quad one wins, two, two.
1: Yeah, winning the conference tournament, such an exciting run to go on. So, it kind of, I do hate that it sort of invalidates what Texas a And M was able to do, even if they didn't win at all.
0: Yeah, basically, what the NCAA tournament committee said, the selection committee said, is Texas a And M, you should have just been Richmond. You know, you should have been. Should have been one of these bid stealers down the stretch. Richmond stole one on, on Sunday. But it's like, yeah, Richmond had to beat Davidson. Um, very good team. The difference is Texas A&M didn't have to beat Davidson. They had to beat freaking Tennessee, who is playing some of the best basketball of anybody right now. So just make it make sense, folks. By the way, before we, before we get on, like as soon as we started recording, as soon as we started recording, Tom Brady's coming back for another year. What the heck, man? the auburn observer podcast the weekend edition justin ferguson right here in auburn alabama painter Sharpless coming to you from parts unknown hello painter hello painter. how we feeling uh selection sunday Are you? do you look forward to selection sunday uh every year i know you know growing up um i don't know how big into college basketball you necessarily were because auburn for most of your childhood and uh, adolescence was not very good at this selection sunday though yay nay excited not excited what, what, what are we feeling
1: I think it's fun to sort of get the build up in that last half hour, you know, and then you sort of get to the point where you're just ready for them to say who's who. Uh, and then yeah. I enjoy sort of all the coaches getting on to try to do their PR and they've all sort of got to say the same thing. But uh, at the end of the day, yes, it is exciting to be a part of it because for a long time we simply were not.
0: When you pick brackets, are you an upset heavy guy? Do you do you play at chalk? What's the what's the what is the painter sharpless bracket strategy?
1: A mixture of vibes and mm-hmm. uh, maybe looking at a couple metrics here and there. I've had like two years where things have really worked out for me, and a lot of years where it's just you know, <laughs> it's not quite going to work out. Could have done better.
0: I think we should do a bracket challenge this year, painter. What do you think? The observer bracket challenge.
1: Yeah, that's that's an easy thing to do, and uh, I think I've well, got an we'll, idea about who some folks will have in their Final Four.
0: Yeah, we'll put it together. Here, here's the thing. Here's what we're going to do. You have to be a subscriber to the Observer to be a part of it. We'll put it with the password and all that. And here I'm, I'm just literally coming up with this on the fly. Whoever wins, free year of the Observer. I'll give you a free year. We might do some other prizes down the line. Maybe, maybe not, but free year. Why not? Just do something with some stakes to it. Sounds like fun. What do you think? Can I get you to sign off on this, on this plan?
1: I accept.
0: Yes. It's signed off by painter. So it is official. By the time you hear this podcast, we will have uh, some sort of way uh, for you to sign up and you have to be a subscriber to the observer. We'll put it in. We'll put the code in, in Monday. We'll put the code in the newsletters up leading up to, uh, leading up to tournament time. So don't worry about that. Um, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. We're here to talk Auburn and uh, and their spot in the NCAA tournament field as a two-seed for the first time ever, second-highest seed uh, in Auburn basketball history. You know, if you listened to the premium podcast over the weekend, we talked about the Texas A&M game and what it meant moving forward. And Auburn was in a position over the weekend, uh, I think if the committee would have put a little bit more emphasis on what happened over the weekend – um to maybe getting a little bit of drama a little bit of um a little bit of heart stopping uh were you as the resident auburn fan on this podcast were you nervous when duke got a two seed in greenville did you start thinking like oh they might not end up in greenville which means auburn might not get the crowd advantage that they were hoping for because i I, on the timeline uh the auburn fans i do follow y'all were y'all were sweating I saw some. I saw visible sweat down the timeline, but uh, on Sunday after Duke got that early early spot in Greenville, maybe
1: foolishly I assumed we'd stay on the two line, so I was not a person that was sweating. Uh, I can appreciate why some people would envision that Auburn might somehow find themselves on the outside looking in after all season, or at least a decent part of the season being projected easily as a one or two seed.
0: Yeah, and so Auburn gets a two seed. They are going to uh, Greenville um, in their uh, in their NCAA tournament uh, spot. This is a really good uh, landing zone for Auburn. Uh, first round, they get to play the Jacksonville State Gamecocks. Um, Ken Palm currently projects that game to be a uh, fifteen point uh, spread in favor of the Tigers. Um, 7762 is the score projection right there on our on our boys from uh from uh, on our boys uh, from Ken Pom our boy from Ken Pom Ken Pom himself Ken Pomeroy um our good good boy our good friend Ken Pomeroy I talked to him one time he's a cool dude um I uh the the Vegas line I think uh somebody sent me the Vegas line uh er, early on um 16 and a half. Uh, sixteen and a half for, uh, that that opening round game. Let's talk about the Jacksonville State Fighting Gamecocks. Painter starting off. We are both. You know, I wasn't born in in Alabama, but raised pretty much lived most of my life in the state of Alabama. Um, the state of Alabama has not been this good in basketball in my lifetime. The fact that Auburn, Bama, UAB, and Jack State all got in this year. Auburn playing Jacksonville State, the state of Alabama. Representing in basketball, I find it a lot of fun. What are your thoughts on Auburn playing an in-state team to open up the NCAA tournament instead of the other 15 seeds they could have gotten? Uh, They could have played St. Peter's in a Peacock versus Peacock game, which would have been interesting. Uh, They could have played the Cal State Fullerton Titans, or they could have played the Delaware Blue Hens instead. They get to play a team that is not too far away from home, and they get to do it um, not too far away for for either team in Greenville.
1: It's good to see that the selection committee has a sense of humor.
0: <laughs> so if you don't know about Jacksonville State and how they got here, this is not a normal spot for Jack State to be in um, because they did not win their conference tournament. Um, and when you play in the A Sun, I said OVC earlier, um, in the day. Sorry about that. They're in the A-Sun. Um, the Atlantic Sun, uh, that conference, um, they did not win the tournament. And usually that's a one-bid league. It's one of the smallest conferences in college basketball. You usually just get your tournament champion into the field. But here's what happened. The Atlantic Sun tournament was won by Bellarmine. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It might be Bellarmine. Not, I haven't been 100% sure on that one. Um Bellarmine is Bellarmine, uh, whatever, is in their second year of um, is in their second year of Division one. And when you jump from another division, either D2 or D3 or we've seen we've seen an teams make the jump up, junior college teams have made the jump up in the past when they became fully fully accredited universities, we've seen them make the jump in the past. you go through a waiting period, you go through this eligibility process where, you can play, and you can start building up, but you can't get into the NCAA tournament just yet. They hold off on that. Uh, this school is in Louisville, which is obviously a huge basketball, uh, uh, college basketball town. Um, played a brutal non-conference schedule this year. Uh, played Gonzaga, UCLA, Purdue, Murray State, and St. Mary's in their first five games. They also played West Virginia later on. Um, they won the A-Sun uh, tournament. Um They beat a Jacksonville team that beat Jacksonville State in the A-Sun semifinals. They beat it in the final. But if you're not eligible for the tournament, the Atlantic Sun is sending their regular season champion in its spot, and that is Jacksonville State. So Jacksonville State did not win their conference tournament. Um, They lost three out of four uh, at the beginning of February before going on a four-game winning streak to end the regular season. They beat Kennesaw State in the opening round and then lost to Jacksonville, like I said earlier, 54-51. Um, this is a really interesting matchup for a number of reasons. Uh, the the first being that, obviously, this is Auburn and Jacksonville State, in-state team versus in-state team. Um, this has been a, a, a matchup that has been played in the past um, several times. Let's see, Jacksonville State... Uh, it's, uh auburn is 13 and 0 all time against jacksonville state in the last year of the tony barbie era uh, auburn won their third game of the year against jacksonville state not traditionally a team that has had a ton of great history uh in basketball in recent years but uh jacksonville state uh made it uh to the ncaa tournament uh a few years ago i remember um and uh they're back in it this year one of the, the second big thing Bruce Pearl and Ray Harper. Uh, Ray Harper is the coach at Jacksonville State. He has been their head coach since 2017. Um, he was also the head coach at Western Kentucky uh, once upon a time. Um, Jackson uh, Ray Harper uh, coached against Bruce Pearl quite a bit back in the day. Uh, he uh, was the head coach at Kentucky Wesleyan. Uh, that's where he came up in coaching, was there for 10 years. Division II team, when Bruce Pearl was winning D2 national championships and making it to the final um, against, uh, in Division II, uh, they often cross paths with Kentucky Wesleyan, um, one of the best teams. And, of course, uh, Ray Harper parlayed that job into o- in Oklahoma City, uh, which is an NAIA school uh, job, and then uh, took Western Kentucky to the NCAA tournament back-to-back years. Um, Bruce said when we talked to him on Sunday night after the selection show, he said there's been some wars, been heated. This was a, a school that Auburn recruited, or Auburn, uh, Southern Indiana recruited against, uh, played against a ton in some high-pressure games. Uh, and so as he said, I don't know if there's any team that Ray Harper and Jacksonville State would have loved to play more than Auburn and Bruce Pearl here in the first weekend Um, And I think Painter, I think you, you said it best. It shows that the NCAA tournament committee uh, selection committee has a sense of humor that Auburn and Jacksonville state are crossing paths and not the team from out West or one of the two teams from up North that they could have played.
1: Yeah. At the end of the day, at least some people on that committee realize this is entertainment. Uh, I wish that some of the officials understood that and that they are not part (laughs) of the entertainment. Uh, I am. Generally getting ramped up, getting excited for being able to complain about officiating. Yes. Nonetheless, here we are. It won't do me any good. And, uh, you know, they should, in theory, be able to coast on this team. And that's not how this tournament goes.
0: This is not how this this tournament goes whatsoever. And here's some things to know about the Jacksonville State Gamecocks here right off the rip. Jacksonville State this season has some, close, some good close losses on their record. Um, they lost to Wichita State by three. That's a top 100 team in the season opener. They lost a three-overtime game to Troy, who had a really good year uh, in the Sun Belt um, in Trojan Arena. They lost to VCU by 14 on the road. VCU, top 70 team this season. And the big one that people might want to point out is on December 18th, the week before Christmas, they went to Coleman Coliseum in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and they lost to the Crimson Tide 65-59. to uh, Bama pulling away uh, in the final minutes to get that win over Jacksonville State. Um, then Jacksonville State went on a big run. They won, uh, let's see, they won 10 games in a row, slipped up during the middle of their conference schedule, finished well, but then got knocked out, uh, like we said earlier, against Jacksonville in the uh, tournament. Uh, a snapshot on this Jacksonville State team. Uh, they play slow. They slow this sucker down. Uh, 323rd in the country in average possession length on offense. Here's the other killer, though. They are. Th- they are. Sorry. They are 11th in the nation in three-point field goal percentage. They are shooting 38.2% from beyond the arc. They take a lot of threes. 63rd in the country in three-point rate. Uh, they assist. They pass the ball really, really well. Not a good free throw shooting team um and uh on on offense and they turn the ball over a decent piece uh but it's a team that's gonna this is this is one of those small school early teams where you look at them and be like "Mm, if they get hot if, if if the little if the march magic comes comes to them um this is a this is a team that could scare you uh they shoot the ball well from deep like i said they take a ton of threes um that's what you got to deal with on offense. Experience, one of the most experienced teams in college basketball this year, 40th in experience, 26 in minutes continuity. They brought a lot of lot a lot of guys back on this team. They got into the tournament on technicality, but they got in either way because they were the regular season champions with a 13-3 record in the A Sun. Um, this is the lowest ranked team, lowest ranked of the 15 seeds on Ken Palm, but it's a team that if they get hot and Auburn is not shooting well away from home. It's a team that could scare you, right? Not saying they're going to win. Auburn's a double-digit favorite for a reason. 215 upsets are very rare for a reason. But they do have the makeup of a team. If they just start bombing and they get hot, they could give Auburn a real run for their money. On the defensive side, um, pretty solid on defense uh, across the board. Um, they don't create a ton of havoc. Not a lot of blocks, not a lot of steals. Um, they uh, they really – the, one of the crazy things about them this season uh, is they give up a ton of three-point attempts. So when we talk about teams that are going to pack it in, kind of like Texas A&M did, pack it in and let um, Auburn bomb away from deep. This is a team that already by nature lets teams bomb away from deep. 45% of opponent shots this season have come from beyond the arc. Um, they hit them at a decent clip, uh, but this is a Jacksonville State defense that does not foul um, and does not – uh you know create a lot of havoc. they just play sound defense and Bruce Spurrell seems really really um impressed obviously with with what he knows about Ray Harper and and his background with them. uh that uh this is an undersized team that's going to pack the paint they're going to give up a lot of threes they're going to shoot a lot of threes they're going to want Auburn uh to get in a uh to get in a in a shooting contest with them and roll with the odds there um Obviously, for Auburn, shooting contests have not been things they've been good at recently. Texas A&M provided a great example of that on Friday. Um, this is a team that has doesn't have the talent or the size or you know any like specific player where you're like, oh wow, you know, watch out for this guy. He might you know might tear it up. Damari King's probably the name you want to know the most. Um, one of the, he's 45% three point shooter uh, in college basketball. He doesn't foul a lot, so he stays on the floor a ton. Um, you know, really good three-point, uh, dead eye. They've got a few guys that, that hit well from deep. They've got the makeup to scare you, but, you know, a lot of things would have to fall their way. And so for Auburn, this is not a team that you're necessarily going to have to worry about being as physical or as athletic against you, uh, on the defensive side. But if they get out to limiting possessions, taking care of the ball and shooting it, it's going to be big. The one thing about this game, like I said, they don't force a lot of turnovers and they commit a lot of turnovers. If Auburn can get a little bit of havoc and, and get to run a little bit, take Jacksonville State out of their game plan, that would be the key there. Uh, but if Jacksonville State gets to slow it down and they and they start hitting their threes, they could scare Auburn. They, you know, took a really good Alabama defense and, um, and that was one of Alabama's Alabama's worst performances of the season on the offensive side of the ball. So they're not going to be scared of this Auburn team.
1: I'm still laughing at Coach K telling. The crowd to be quiet.
0: Did they just show that or something?
1: It just keeps coming across my timeline. <laughs> it's like shushing them like you would sixth graders.
0: And he gets the lifetime achievement award by coming in uh, by by getting to go to Greenville for the for 100%, 100%. as a two seed. One <laughs> hundred. How many fouls? How many foul calls are they going to get? Oh, I mean, it's just going to be
1: 50
0: call. It's going to be it's going to be wild, man. This is going to be a fun Greenville area if auburn fans if you're going to this tournament um and you're and you might get some all session uh tickets um the other side of auburn's bracket and we'll talk about them uh here in a little bit uh the other side of that bracket is is uh, USC and Miami the, the that is the lowest if you combine the 7 and the 10 seeds those are the two lowest rated teams on Kempom period not just the lowest 7 and the lowest 10 that's the lowest two period auburn could have gotten an absolute nightmare draw, uh, because of uh, of what they had, uh, what they had coming out of, uh, uh, let's see, Murray State, which Auburn obviously already played, Ohio State, Michigan State are two tougher teams as the seven seeds, and then San Francisco, Loyal, Chicago, deeply underseeded. I think Davidson's a team that shoots super, super well. I don't think anybody wants to see them. I think that was kind of the terrifying one, that terrifying ten that that Auburn fans wanted to avoid, wanted to avoid the most. Um, and they got out of both of them. The other side of that bracket, um, or the other—it's not in the other side of the bracket, but the other Greenville Regional uh, pits uh, Duke and Cal State Fullerton, and then uh, also that will be Michigan State and uh, and and Davidson on the other side. So you can kind of watch that with uh, without a whole lot of panic. I think if you're if you're an Auburn fan, I guess we'll talk about do, do you. I, this is up to you, Banner. Do you feel, do you feel like this is the time to talk deeper about uh, USC and and Miami, knowing that Auburn, you know, might not, you know, you got to You got to take care of Jacksonville State first. And theoretically, we will talk about these two teams uh, or whoever. If Auburn wins, you know, you'll you'll talk about this team uh, uh, with our next podcast. Let's go or brief. Want...
1: Let's go brief. Just to yeah. give people an idea of what it is that lies beyond them. We're playing the statistics. Auburn should play one of these two teams. Uh, It's Auburn, you know. There are highs and there are certainly lows.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like if you you shoot as badly as Auburn has had away from home, they could lose to anybody, right? Don't think they could necessarily lose to a team like Jacksonville State. I'm not saying it's impossible. Upsets happen for a reason. But if you look at the – Rating systems, the USC's and the Miamis. If you thought, if, if you're thinking about level of teams that Auburn has played, that is your Texas A&M and Florida. That's that kind of range of team, but it's also your St. Louis and your Vanderbilt uh, and uh, and your Mississippi State. Like that's it's that's the range you're looking at there in terms of the seven ten matchup. USC uh, coming into this tournament, um, not doing too well. Uh, they, uh, got smoked by Arizona, uh, lost to UCLA during the regular season, uh, beat Washington, a bad Washington team by four in the Pac-12 tournament, and then lost by 10 to, uh, UCLA. Um, that Trojan team, Andy Enfield's had a lot of people be really high on them this year. They did beat UCLA earlier this season, uh, have some good wins against like San Diego State and, uh, and others on the board, but, um... A team that is definitely led by uh, led by experience, um, and they're very very tall. If Auburn crosses paths with um, USC in the next in the next round, uh, Isaiah Mobley, uh, his older brother Evan, might be the rookie of the year in the NBA this year. Um, or that might that might be his younger brother. I'm sorry, um, his brother uh, might be the rookie of the year in the NBA this year. Um, he leads the way for that team. 6'10 center, really good, really gifted kind of guy um that just puts up solid numbers in rebounding and rebounding and on defense and offense they have a, a really good three-point shooter in drew peterson who's a stretch uh kind of stretch four, uh, three four kind of guy uh shoots 41 percent from deep boogie ellis you may remember him from memphis uh and one of those like early uh, uh penny hardaway big time pickups for them um this team's just got a ton of size they start they start two 6'9 dudes and a 6'10 dude. Boogie Ellis is 6'3 at point guard. Resticks and Waters is 6'5. Um, they've also got uh, another guard they bring off the bench, who's 6'9. Be a really, really tall team. They rebound well. Um, they've got a good two-point defense. They don't turn it over. They just really pack it in and let you. Uh, you Really, really tough matchup there on that on that side. They give up a lot of three-point attempts. Um, I think it would be very similar just because of their size. They like to pack it in and, and play you straight up. Mobley's a good, really good rim protector. Um, But that USC team this season has been able to rebound and they've got some good shooters, but kind of get iffy uh, from the free throw line. um, And they don't necessarily play. They don't necessarily shoot super, super often from deep, but they're tall and athletic. And Andy Enfield's done a great job uh, in L.A. uh, So that would be an interesting matchup for Auburn if they got to that point. Miami, on the other hand, uh, Miami beat uh, Boston College in overtime uh, in the ACC tournament. They had a really good. They went fourteen and six in the ACC this year. Uh, Beat Virginia Tech, uh, smoked North Carolina uh, at home. They beat Duke in Cameron earlier this year. Back to Duke again. Um, They uh, beat Wake Forest. They've got they've got some good uh, wins on their resume. Um, They've also got some puzzling losses. Uh, Lost to Florida State twice. Lost to a not great Virginia team by 13. I lost to Virginia twice, actually. Uh, Alabama blew the doors off of them uh, on, during Thanksgiving week. Uh, UCF, a team that Auburn's pl- Auburn played and beat, uh, hung 95 on them. Uh, not a great defensive team at all. Um, if Auburn so happens to line up against Miami, uh, Miami, 324th in two-point defense, 266th in three-point defense. Um, they either are getting steals or they're giving up baskets. That is kind of their M.O. On the other side, though, um They don't turn the ball over a ton. They're very efficient on offense. Uh, They've got shooters as well. Cameron McGusty, Charlie Moore, Sam Wardenberg. They got dudes. If they take care of the ball and force turnovers on the other end, they're a team that can give problems to anybody. But if you take care of the ball and uh, you stick with it on the offensive end, you can get really, really good looks. They've given up some big-time point numbers uh, this season in games. But Jim Laranaga, he's an experienced coach and – it's a team that uh, doesn't have a ton of size and does not play deep. Um, one of the one of the lowest rotations in college basketball. Also a shorter power conference team. They don't rebound the ball particularly well either. Um, so that's you kind of look at USC and Miami. Like I said, USC kind of scuffling on their way in. Miami been a hot and cold team this year. Could have done a lot of, a lot worse. Auburn uh, in your matchups there. And then of course, like I said, Jacksonville State, the 15 seed that uh, regionally matters, rivalry wise. I guess rivalry, quote unquote, matters, uh, but uh, you'd rather take that um, than, uh, than than a lot of other options you could have at your disposal. And then the rest of that bracket, um, to just run it run it down real quick. Uh, if Auburn has to go up against um, if Auburn has to go up against Wisconsin in a potential Sweet 16 matchup, I could either be in a world of hurt or I could have vindication after all these years of uh, hating every moment of Wisconsin basketball. Uh, lsu also in that field painter our prince will wade is no longer with us r.i.p to the boy uh the absolute legend uh the man that uh the decided, widest of hips yeah the man who decided that he would take his wide hips and say no to the rules blatantly over and over again love
1: that he was in got his wife involved
0: <laughs> the joint checking account Incredible. The uh, fiance, say, the fiance of that player, blackmailing him over mm, and over yeah. again. Good grief! Mm, really extracted
1: a lot. Will Wade played that one poorly. Gotta say, should have seen that one coming. Like a tried and true uh, concept there, Will. I think just like Dwight is uh, assistant to the regional manager, we make him assistant to the recruiting coordinator, Mike Burgermaster. He deserves a year off. He's earned a sabbatical for all the cheating that he's done. Then the apology tour starts. We bring I, him into the fold. He doesn't. I mean, you know, come on. He's a I, I, beautiful man. When
0: you have that many, when you have that many level one violations, and like, look, they haven't announced the punishments yet for LSU uh, yet. Yeah, but uh, if you have that many level one violations and. I don't know if he'll ever get to coach again. I don't know if that's ever going to be something that people will do. But, like, is someone going to give him the Rick patina Like, I would love to see Will Wade at a small school again. Like, I would love to see what that looks like. My man would just be like, now, how in the world, how in the world did Maryland uh, Eastern Shore end up getting end up getting this five-star players? I don't know, man. Y'all ask Don't ask me. Uh, y'all ask somebody else. R.I.P. Uh, R.I.P. to go Will To
1: Wayne? a quote-unquote smaller school, if he could simply recruit for Auburn, <laughs>
0: because I think, unlike LSU, Auburn has the right people in place to make sure that those problems with the NCAA don't get too out of hand. It's
1: a teaching moment, and I think there's <laughs> it's a like great it's, a, opportunity it's now the here. Nick Saban
0: rehab. It's now the Nick Saban rehab for oh, uh yeah. for for coaches now. Will be, you know, the, he looks re- so great in a white. I will say but this: I, I think I, I, think I, with my job on the beat, I need to say this up front. The views of Painter Sharpless do not necessarily reflect the views of the Auburn Observer. Um, but uh, Painter also, um, you know, was denied the uh, Auburn presidency. So um,
1: I'm just know. looking out for what's best for Auburn recruiting. <laughs>
0: um, let's see. Uh, they play Colgate. Um that wisconsin that is and then uh, lsu plays iowa state i'm fascinated to see what lsu does without their head coach um it basically saw you basically saw like the notice of allegations came in during the week before i think it was before the sec tournament began they waited until after sec tournament was done to get rid of them it seems to me and especially with what came out uh with violations painter that lsu just went like man we don't want to get into the ncaa tournament and have this hanging over our heads. It's like we get into the tournament with our with our uh, with our renegade of a head coach. Uh, the NCAA might might try to kill us. after How this, sick so. would it
1: have been if they were on like a final four run, and then they had to fire their coach,
0: like before <laughs> the final four, yeah. the final four in New Orleans? Uh, <laughs> actually, now that I say
1: that, as funny of a scenario and like as great of an <laughs> outcome as that would be externally, I would genuinely feel bad for the people involved.
0: Iowa State on the other side. Iowa State uh, got off to a great start this year and went 7-11 and in the Big 12. But here's the thing about the Big 12. Um, it was really good this year, and they play really good defense. So uh, you get the benefit of the doubt uh, if you if you play in that conference just because of how good it was from top to bottom. Um, also in that bracket is um, – uh, yeah, that would be Auburn's path to a, to an Elite Eight. The other side of the Midwest region, Kansas, uh, Texas Southern, and Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Um, that's the first four game. San Diego State, and Creighton, Iowa, Richmond, Providence, South Dakota State. I think a lot of people are going to pick South Dakota State to beat Providence, and we'll see what Iowa can do uh, after their really good run to win the Big Ten. Tyler Painter, Auburn in uh, the Midwest, uh, in Chicago. Uh, we have talked in the past about our affinity for Chicago I don't know how cold it is up there right now, uh, but uh, you know if Auburn gets out of the first weekend, I think I would enjoy a trip to uh, to Chicago, and uh, feel like you would you would appreciate uh, Auburn being in the uh, in the uh, in the windy city. I've
1: always said that I love Chicago. Yeah, you're I a big Chicago the, fan. Love the weather. Love the Cubs. Love the White Sox. Huge. <laughs> I'm wearing a White, wearing huge white Sox Chicago out right now. Chicago guy.
0: Big Chicago guy. Uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, we've talked about Chicago before. We then, have, right? You the, like the Chicago. The
1: summers in Chicago are very yes.
0: nice. Maybe the springs will be. Who Who's to say? Who's to say? Your beloved Buffalo painter uh, getting Yukon, uh, New Mexico State, Arkansas, Vermont, uh, and then they get that Iowa, Richmond, Providence, South Dakota State uh, paint. Arkansas and Buffalo ought to be a lot of fun if Arkansas fans make that trip. That ought to be fun. Can we can we at least say that? What those, a nice twist. Those that, folks will put those folks will put down some chicken wings.
1: What a nice twist that they lost to Texas A and M. Obviously, I should go ahead and take credit for being extremely wrong three days in a row about <laughs> Texas A and M, including right? a prediction in which I said they'd shoot like twenty three percent and get run out of the building by Arkansas. Did you think they were
0: going to beat? A, did you think they would beat Tennessee on Sunday?
1: I certainly hoped so, but I I wasn't very confident, but. I mean, I did put $5 on them in a live bet uh, once they went down nine <laughs> zero, and they still didn't cover. I,
0: I find it kind of funny to me that it's like, Arkansas, uh, you've, you were really scary this season, um, especially in Bud Walton Arena. Um, you don't really have a ton of impressive wins away from home, LSU, Florida, uh, for one, but it's like uh, – you know, Arkansas, you you can beat anybody in the world if you're playing in uh if you're playing in Bud Walton Arena. Where are we going to send you for the NCAA tournament? How about Buffalo? How about the complete opposite of Fayetteville, Arkansas? We're going to send you need to some Buffalo. Culture.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just mix it up a just little crank,
0: bit. Just crank up some. Just crank up some every time I die, and you know, let Josh Allen hang out courtside. That's that we're going to give him some Buffalo culture josh allen must
1: have been stunned the first time his agent was like yeah you you might make like 200 million
0: dollars i just couldn't happen to it couldn't happen to a better giraffe than our uh, the giraffe with the bazooka josh allen um one we're kind of all over the place right now and forgive us for that we'll get a little bit more focused a little bit tighter here before we before we go in our in our later segments of the show but uh you know what? Let's let's take a quick break. Let's take a quick break right now. Let's let's do some ads. Let's do some uh, let's do some uh, some podcast reviews, and then um, I want to talk about Georgia and the Mike White situation. Incredible hire. Yeah, and then I want to talk about Auburn as a whole heading into this tournament and heading into um, you know what should be a very interesting um, first weekend in Greenville. So, having said all that. If you like the show, you like well, you like this nonsense that we're putting out for you right now. Um, you can get more of it. Uh, we will. The, the plan backfired at the SEC tournament, but our plan is to still do uh, podcast, after, um, the, uh, podcast after the podcast after the the tournament games. So what that means is, if Auburn wins on Friday, you can expect, depending on what time Auburn plays, you can expect a podcast after that. Uh, we still don't know. I don't think what uh, what time Auburn plays yet. Um, I'm looking, I'm double-checking, I'm making sure. Um, anyway, um, but we will do a podcast after those games, and then we'll, uh, since it's on Sunday, if Auburn you know, gets to the second round as expected, we'll do a podcast after that as well. Um, the way to get that post-first-round podcast is to subscribe to the Auburn Observer. Um, it is $6 a month or $60 a year for a full subscription. You get access to all of our newsletters and all of our podcasts, they can get sent to you uh, via your email inbox, uh, or uh, we have an app as well, a Substack app. Uh, looks really cool, uh, really easy to use, especially if you're subscribed to multiple Substacks like I am. Uh, if you're a nerd like I am, you can uh, you know download the Substack app and, and get to clicking on there and read and listen to the Observer through that. We also do a seven-day free trial um, anytime you want it. If you want to sign up, uh, quite a few of you have already uh, joined on. Um, it's a good time if you want your NCAA tournament coverage, uh, spring football, uh, here starting on Monday for Auburn. We'll be more f- primarily focused on basketball, uh, at least on the podcast here, until the season ends. Uh, but we will have more you know, football stuff in the newsletter and uh, all that moving forward. It's a good time. Just go to auburnobserver.com slash trial if you want to take, a, take advantage of the seven-day free trial, or there will be a link uh, somewhere in this email uh, or... In uh, uh, the description of this podcast, you want to take advantage of that. So, we appreciate uh, those of you who have uh, who've signed up and are in the inner circle uh, for you know making it possible for me to go cover these games and for us to you know do these uh, do these podcasts and, and keep this thing ticking. Um, not very many independent media operations get to cover the NCAA tournament and the SEC tournament, but uh, you guys make that possible for us, and we thank you very very much for that. Painter, we haven't done uh, podcast reviews in a minute. Uh, are you ready for it?
1: Hoping to do six bonus podcast.
0: Let's do six bonus podcasts. That sounds like it sounds like fun. I'd have a lot of fun doing that. Um, tell the folks at home how they can rate and review and subscribe. The, the steps. Give them the steps on Apple Podcasts. Painter, we have better podcast analytics now. I don't know if you saw this um, through Substack, but uh, according to Substack, uh, our podcast... Uh, the people the people listen to it. 76% of you guys listen through Apple Podcast. So it's the way to be. It's the way, it's, it's the place to be, where to go for, uh, for your podcast. And so it's the easiest way to review us on there. Painter, tell them how to do it.
1: Tim Apple thanks you for unlocking your phone, clicking on the purple little Apple icon, searching Albert Observer, mashing the follow or subscribe button. And then you just scroll down, if I'm not mistaken. There's a little five-star, there's a little box. You can just type nothing in there. You can just say, I, I understand the assignment, or you can actually write something. It doesn't matter. But we appreciate the uh, the rating and the reviewing and the typing in the box.
0: It helps us out a ton. It makes it easier for people to find the podcast, which helps, us, helps people find the newsletter a lot easier, which means we get to do this for a lot longer. So all of that helps, and it costs absolutely no money. If you just listen to this show for free and you like it, easy way to do that. Uh, easy way to help us out. So we got three reviews to read Painter. Here we go. You ready? Yes. This is from WDE7980. says, thanks for getting us through the offseason. Great job. Thanks to y'all. I feel like I'm getting to know the new coaches and players. Keep up the great work. Uh, Ferg is great, and Painter is amazing. P.S. Don't work Painter too hard. Um, I uh I I'm I'm killing this man during ba- during basketball. That season, sounds so. like a
1: review I would leave for myself. Yes. P.S. Um, amazing. By the way, yeah. guy works hard. Great guy. We love him, don't we?
0: This is for T.J. This is from TG Reno. Says I never miss these guys. The Auburn Observer podcast keeps me up to date with all things Auburn athletics. The format allows for in-depth analysis that I really enjoy. And this should be in any Auburn fan's regular rotation. Very kind. Thank you. Thank you very much. And finally, this review is from, yep, 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 yep. Um, who says uh, best Auburn sports pod by far? Great analysis, great balance of homer objective perspectives, and just a lot of fun to listen to. Uh, also, pre- deeply appreciated his ability to comment on Auburn gossip, uh, uh, on Auburn gossip without getting super caught up in it or creating more of it. Great work, fellows, And thus records the review portion of this edition of the Auburn Observer Podcast. While another great review, am I right, Painter? That's probably the best one I we've ever received as far as I, Justin Ferguson, can remember. Well, got to be hard to stop that moment. haha. But back to the podcast. <laughs> that was well done. I love that. Great work. Great work by all. Uh, appreciate it. We, we do this uh, because we're vain and also um, because we want more of you to rate and review because it helps us out a ton. And we love giving shout-outs to y'all um, because, uh, like I said, you're the, you're the ones who make it all possible. All right. Our friends at Home Field Apparel are doing something really, really cool right now, Painter. Um, you know, the world is obsessed with mystery. We like surprises. We like gambling. We like, um, you know, the unknown. We like reaching in and and not knowing what's going to come out on the other side, but the reward can be great once we get the surprise. And to do that, Hol- Homefield ha- is doing something now called the third month mania mystery box uh, because they are not legally allowed to call it uh, what everyone else calls it. But um, this is a really cool thing. They just launched it on Sunday night, um, so there's a limited run of mystery boxes at. Homefieldapparel.com. You can check it out. If you've ever wanted to check out Homefield and buy some apparel, but you know you don't want to spend full price or you don't really know which ones to get, let the good brand pick for you. They've got seven different boxes available, and you can all sa- save a bunch of money. Look, I bought a mystery box as soon as they came out today. There, I'm, I'm practicing what I preach here because I love the good brand this much. You can get a mystery T-shirt for twenty dollars. I'll pick one, send it to you. All you gotta do is give them the size. You get two t-shirts for $36, three t-shirts for $45. That is a huge discount. That's more than 50% off, y'all. You get mystery crewnecks, mystery hoodies. You can get a crewneck and a t-shirt combo. You can get a hoodie and a t-shirt combo. All at deep discounts. All you got to do is give them the size. Homefield will do the rest. They'll pick it out. They've got a limited amount of boxes available. It's a good way to jump on it at this time of year. So homefieldapparel.com's got all that for you. And also, if you don't like the mystery, if you play things safe or you just want to load up on more Auburn gear, you can do that at homefieldapparel.com. Um, right now, a lot of stuff to to offer. They've got the Peacock hoodie. They've got the Peacock t-shirt, the official in my eyes. Peacock t-shirt and Peacock hoodie. Um, they've got the Ever to Conquer basketball tee. I saw several people wearing these in Tampa. They look really, really cool in person. It's a really cool orange design. Very Beard Eves, 90s vibes. Um, got... You know, a white Auburn uh, basketball T-shirt uh, from uh, 1965 on there, um, and uh, I think they might be sold out of the. Hold on, let me let me double check. I think they're sold out of dunking Aubie. No, they're not. Sorry, I'm I'm an idiot. Um, they're sold out of the sweatshirt of uh, of the uh, dunking Aubie, like Vince Carter. Uh, but they have the T-shirt available as well. You can get that. You can get Painter's Abbey as a side eye Aubie T-shirt. You can get all that at homefieldapparel.com. Like I said, that and the mystery boxes. Gear up! It's a perfect time of year to jump on board with the good brand. Free shipping on every order over hundred dollars, and if it's your first ever order from Homefield, I know somebody who used the promo code today to get uh, to get their hands on some on some gear. Observer, when you check out your first order uh, at Homefield, you get fifteen percent off. So we appreciate Connor and Whitney and the whole crew up in Indianapolis for supporting the podcast and the newsletter. You guys go out and uh, gear up with the good brand. Painter, I need instant reaction to the news coming across your timeline that Georgia hired Mike White from Florida. Go.
1: Very good for Auburn. I think the recruiting's going to be fine. In fact, I sort of liken this to Tommy Tuberville from Ole Miss to Auburn. It's an okay hire. You might even have a season or two where things go really well.
0: This isn't going to move the needle. My thing here is this. Georgia, you're in a bad spot as a basketball program right now. Nobody wanted to play for you this year. You were literally the only team in the SEC that people predicted correctly. You were going to finish last, and you did it was a miserable year for you and everybody knew Tom cream was a dead man walking from pretty much like the third game of the season. You got rid of him, And I thought, I thought that Georgia would go swing for the fences and bring in somebody who could get some excitement, some buzz. Like, could they get, you know, you think about like when Auburn, you know, Pearl was a, was a ready-made gift for them um, just because of everything that worked out. But, You think about when South Carolina poached Frank Martin, when you think about Ben Hallen, who may or may not still be the Mississippi State head coach moving forward, Uh, when you think about uh, Eric Musselman and how big of a hire that was, Buzz at Texas A&M, Rick Barnes at Tennessee, who's done such a good job there. You know, you think about all these these spots and you think, okay, maybe Georgia, the success they've had uh, in football and the success they've had in some other sports over the years, maybe they swing for the fences, maybe they go after it. And then they go get Mike White. Mike White's a fine coach. He underachieved at Florida. Florida's got really high expectations. I I thought anybody who had to follow up Billy Donovan was going to have a miserable time. Um, And he did. Um, He did not recruit to the level that you would think Florida would recruit in. Um, They made it to the tournament. They came close to making it to the tournament this year, I thought. But it, it didn't work out. And Florida was not... Like, there was the talk about, okay, would Ole Miss get rid of Kermit Davis... Would Mike White go to Ole Miss, because that's a place where he um, played and he coached at in the past, it make a lot of sense there. But for Florida to get somebody poached at Georgia by Georgia is interesting. Uh, reportedly, Florida um, was not going to fire him. But I don't think they were going to necessarily claw their way back into keeping him. And that's why he's the next head coach of Georgia. He will raise the level at Georgia, I would think. He's a guy who's been to the NCAA tournament. He was a really good coach uh, during his time at Louisiana Tech. He even beat Georgia in the NIT, I think, once upon a time. Um, but there might be a ceiling. There might be a limit. Can he get Georgia back to a team where, if they can have, if Georgia can have the, can have the success that Mike White has had at Florida at Georgia, that's a step in the right direction. I think anybody can see the a step in the right direction because what was going on under Tom Crean was just miserable. But Painter, you said this was good news for Auburn. I tend to agree. Mike White's recruiting classes at Florida—not what you would expect Florida to recruit at in pretty much any sport, particularly men's basketball. They've got two national championship trophies to prove it. Uh, in, in this, in this, you know, in this millennium, um, Auburn has dominated the state of Georgia in recruiting. That sh- that is showing no signs of slowing down. And Georgia went out and got a guy who is not known for his recruiting. He's known for being a better basketball coach than the guy he's replacing. He's he's won in the SEC. All that is true. But, yeah, I think – am I, am I naive or am I foolish to think Georgia could have done a lot better here? Because it's not bad, but – They could have done a lot better, right?
1: No, two things. One, anytime opposing fans are happy with something that your team does, not a great place to be in. But even if you say, oh, well, fans are fickle and no one can judge a coaching hire, fine, all right? The thing that may be worse than an opposing fan base being excited about what you've done is that the school you're currently at seems to have no interest in fighting to keep you. Yeah, I... uh... How uninspiring is that? If you're a Georgia fan, yeah,
0: that's got that's got to be thing. It's it's uninspiring. Like, could he be successful? Look, if they make it back to the tournament, we were talking about it. Like Georgia, you know, Georgia men's basketball. Okay, there was talk when um they made the move that there people were wanting to get um that they were wanting to get uh Jonas uh Jonas Hayes, who is currently um you know he played at uh. He played at Georgia. He is an assistant coach at Xavier. Um, he's a guy that was really well liked. There were people at Georgia. There were like former players and stuff talking about like, "We need to get one of our own. We get, George, you know, bring in Jonas Hayes. He could definitely get it done. Um, young guy. People think he'd be exciting. Uh, pick up for him there." Here's the thing about Georgia basketball. We talk about the limited history Auburn has had um, in basketball and men's basketball over the years. Peter, do you know how many, since the SEC started, do you know how many conference championships, regular season conference championships, the Georgia Bulldogs have?
1: No. I'm, all I can think of is that tournament run they had in, like, 08.
0: Yeah, 08 is the big one. They, w- they won the tournament that year. 1983, they won the tournament there. Dominique Wilkins, that 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 uh, that, team that uh team that, you know, let's see. Sorry, 1983, the year after Dominique Wilkins, I'm sorry. Um Made a ran all the way to the final four. They were kind of like the they're kind of like the 2019 Auburn team where they were kind of the team of destiny and and got hot. The Georgia Bulldogs have only won one regular season title ever. One, in the SEC 1990. They got bounced in the first round of the NTA tournament that year as well. Georgia just for a place that is that close to Atlanta, for a place that has a guy like Dominic Wilkins you know, on their, on their resume, like kind of like it, you know, definitely like very equivalent to their Charles Barkley hall of famer, legend of the legend of the sport. Um, George didn't really have anything. And so when they were talking about like, Oh, you know, we need to get one of our own. It's like, well, there's no history there, you know, it's just really, what are you trying to draw off of at that point? Other than just kind of nostalgia, maybe fit over resume, maybe, so, like, that's where Mike White kind of takes that step up, but it's just like, yeah, you, you know, when when Florida's like, oh, great, thank you. Because, like, Florida now, I don't know who Florida's going to go get. I don't know who Scott Strickland's going to go try to hire at this point. Um, I would not be surprised. And, like, LSU's kind of the wild card here because we don't know what the punishments are going to be. Let us from, please from the... talk
1: about Scott Woodward.
0: Okay, Scott Woodward. Knives introduce... and darts, darts yeah, please introduce and knives. That. Please introduce that because that was too wild for me to even pick up on.
1: I've got to find the tweet first.
0: Okay. I Scott Woodward has been kind of like, th- this This thought process is like, Scott Woodward's going to swing for the fences. And he did. Like, look, he he made a, a higher football coach of Brian Kelly. But Brian Kelly was not his first choice. It was his third choice. At best. He wanted Lincoln Riley. He wanted Jimbo Fisher. Got neither and got Brian Kelly. Great football coach. You know, I'm very interested to see how he's going to fit in in Baton Rouge, but the man was very successful at Notre Dame. What is he going to do with this basketball? And, and, you know, he goes out and gets um, an insanely good head coaching hire with women's basketball and Kim Mulkey, who LSU immediately was awesome this year in in women's basketball. Um, What are they going to do from there, and how much does the potential NCAA stuff maybe looming? Because it's lack of institutional control. It's stuff that even affects the football program, um, as our friend Brody Miller wrote at The Athletic recently. I don't know what they do, but, like, Florida, do you go blind? Because I thought somebody, you know, when you look at a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, Baylor, Scott Drew, defending national champion, done a great job at Baylor. He's getting paid, like, I don't know if he's even in the top 20 of annual salary in college basketball. I just feel like somebody was going to go try to go ham on that and just say, hey, we've got the SEC money, here we go. I don't know if LSU necessarily does that, I don't know if they could poach two people from Baylor. I don't know if you could poach the Baylor coach with, with with you just poaching uh Kim Kim Walke, but like maybe Florida tries or like does Florida go get a hot up and comer? Like they just did this thing with uh, in getting Billy Napier from from uh from Louisiana, that not necessarily an established name in the game, but the one that a lot of people are very excited about. Somebody pointing out on Twitter earlier today, I think it might have been Keith Niebuhr, um, who has Florida ties and and does a great job covering recruiting uh, here at Auburn. Point out that Florida has tended to hire young coaches in the past uh, with their men's basketball vacancies. I don't know, but do you have the do you have the dartboard tweet yet?
1: A CBS writer analyst tweeted one source put it to me like this about LSU AD Scott Woodward's approach to hiring coaches quote He's unlike other ADs doing this. He's already vetted guys at this point. He's not throwing darts at a dartboard. He's walking up to the dartboard and he's stabbing it with a knife. Can you do that in darts? That's not how you play. I'm very I bad at darts. I appreciate that college <laughs> athletics are built upon doing things the way you're not supposed to. I
0: mean, obviously, the man had Will Wade. <laughs> <laughs> Will Wade looks like a guy who would stab the dartboard and then and then uh, you know try to pay other people to make sure the dartboard gets replaced and you know all that. Um I don't know, man. Like I I, I'm curious to what Florida does. I'm curious to see what Missouri does. That's a school obviously that's got some basketball tradition and and they care about it a ton being a former Big Twelve school being being Kansas' big rival. He almost
1: had too much success too early. Like I think he came in, they made the tournament real quick. They recruited Michael Porter, had like a top five class, and then they just really never could get it going.
0: It never it it changed when the Porter thing fell apart because of the injury. Like it, it changed there. Um and I'm interested to see where Missouri does. If state gets rid of Ben Hallen, um, what does Mississippi State do? Because our buddy, who's been on the podcast before, friend of the program, uh, Blake Lovell, he's been doing this with all these openings. Where would you rank the, the the jobs in the SEC in basketball? We talk about this in football. I don't think we do as much of a thought process and the thought exercise here with with basketball. But am I crazy for thinking Mississippi State's probably dead last? In terms of what job you would want, like, and if you had to rank all the jobs in the SEC, I'd put Vanderbilt over it. Because at least Vanderbilt's got some, got some, uh, got some tradition and got a little history. I mean, Mississippi State—what's Mississippi State's basketball tradition? Jarvis Venardo? Like, I don't know. I, I Auburn went to Mississippi State, you know, a couple weeks ago to uh, and clinched the regular season title there, and. There were hardly any fans, and I know they didn't have a great year and people expected more out of them, but that's a baseball school. They're already looking forward to baseball season. Um, they have a shrine, a giant golden palace built to college baseball there. It's hard. It's hard to, like, Mississippi State baseball might be as big of a deal as as, as football is there. It's just like, what does State do? Because I thought they had a really good hire when they got Ben Halland. It's like, what do they do now? Like, Who, who takes that job? Um,
1: yeah the next you know, coach has to come Kermit? in like i don't know the next coach at state has to come in and do what bruce does which is a total program build which also entails getting people interested
0: yeah yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. like this this is gonna be a fascinating coaching carousel so you look at louisville being open you look at maryland being open the fact that georgia moved so quickly to get their guy was fascinating to me um there's going to be some shuffling. There's going to be some other pieces. Um, you know, Duke obviously is replacing K, but they already have a guy lined up for it, but this is going to college basketball is going to look like a whole lot different in the sec and beyond next year. And, um, man, I think Auburn's pretty happy that they, uh, light Bruce up the way they did. All right. Before we wrap up, like we said, uh, spring football starting this week, look for stuff. Um, you know, follow me on Twitter. I'll be tweeting stuff out from, from all of that. Um, and might have some newsletter content in the next few days, but of course, basketball with the NCAA tournament taking precedence here. But I wanted to talk. I wanted to wrap up talking about uh, the, this Auburn basketball team heading into the postseason. They've struggled away from home recently. They've struggled shooting the ball away from home recently. I look at USC and I look at Miami. Miami does. You know, Miami is not a great defense at all. This is not the type of team that really tests you on defense. USC is a different case. It's where that that second round matchup if Auburn beats Jacksonville State is predicted. That second round matchup can Auburn play well away from home against good defense because the losses they've had away from home the Arkansas uh, loss, the Tennessee loss Texas A&M loss Florida to an extent but especially Arkansas, Tennessee and Texas A&M those are teams that had really good defenses this season. I mean Arkansas couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, like Auburn, in uh, the semifinals uh, on uh, on Saturday against that Texas A&M defense. Can Auburn do that against USC? We'll talk about this more later on. Bruce has said it, he said it uh, You know, when we talked to him Sunday, that defensive rebounding wins championships, those are the things that travel. Auburn's defense has been really good throughout the year. Can't really say there's been a game outside of the UConn game where Auburn's defense has, has let them down um there it always hasn't been perfect there's been moments where it's where it's kind of collapsed from times but for the majority of the way they've been their top 10 defense in the country come on y'all rebounding which they've got to get better at and they've held their own in some games recently that wasn't the issue against texas a&m the fact they couldn't shoot then of course the offensive execution the big x factor and we talked about it uh, on the premium podcast is going to be guard play and offensive execution Bruce was talking about how, you know, I'm, I'm going to read this quote to you uh, straight up. I think experience does matter in tournament time. I think it matters in March. Thought it mattered a lot with our Final Four team. That team almost all played the year before in San Diego when we beat College of Charleston and lost to Clemson. So, yes, I think it does. It definitely matters. Uh, hopefully we can get some experience, some on-the-job training, if you will. Walker Kessler has been part of the NCAA tournament. That's it. That is it. And the guards have not had a t- you know, haven't had a year that they can draw off of where they've played together. There have been a lot of transfers and a lot of new guys in college basketball this year, but Auburn's gonna run into some teams with some experience. They're gonna run into some teams that have played together, especially in their backcourt. The ultimate defining factor, and if you look at it statistically, is can Wendell Green Jr. and Katie Johnson and Zip Jasper play consistently well to allow the advantages of Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler to take over to for Auburn's depth on the bit off the bench to take over, and they can win these games and make a run in the NCAA tournament. If they do, they're gonna have a good shot. If they don't, statistically, that's what, what really lets them down in these losses. It's the performance of these guards. It's that's what makes this team such a wild card heading into the postseason painter or in the NCAA tournament, I should say, because we have seen Katie Johnson and Wendell Green Jr. win games for Auburn, we've seen Je- Zepp Jasper. Be a guy that can be a difference maker on offense and, of course, an absolute machine on defense. Can they do it consistently and make a run? Because if they have off games, and man, KD had one of the worst off games you could have, it's hard to beat good teams. And starting with Jacksonville State, a team that just has kind of the makeup of a scary 15 seed and going all the way through, the rest from here on out are going to be good basketball teams. And it's just going to be a matter of, of if you get it or not. So, what you know, kind of, what are you thinking? What are you, what are your, what are your vibes about this team going into the tournament? Because all the bluster and all of the angst and all of the frustrations, which you know are valid with the way they've played away from home recently, um, down the stretch of the season, this Auburn basketball team still hasn't gotten blown out by anybody, and the teams they've lost to have all been pretty good. So, what are you what, what are we thinking, especially in regards to those guards and having to step up in this situation?
1: Auburn's likely to keep itself in every game. Yep, uh, they're not going to be a good three point shooting team, but if they can nope. simply get defenses to extend, make things easier on the basket, I mean, I still believe that Auburn hasn't played their best game this year.
0: They they have not. They have not, and. That's going to be it's going to be a thing. Like we said, like USC is a team that has an awesome two point defense, and if Auburn has to come across them in the second round, they're going to have to hit shots from outside to make them pay. They got to stretch the floor, and those were open. And yes, maybe you don't shoot quite as many, but the suckers were open, and you've just got to hit them. And we've seen games this year where Auburn's been able to hit them in spurts. Maybe not necessarily great numbers from beginning to end, but hit them in spurts, hit them in stretches, and 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 win that way. Um we're gonna we're about to see what Wendell Green Jr. and Katie Johnson and Zepp Jasper and those guys are made of. And not to take away from the wings and the bench and the and the guys up front, because you know, Jabari, as great as he is, this is the first tournament, you know, NCAA, first and only NCA tournament he's gonna play in. Um But I've got my eyes on this. I've got my eyes really on those guys in particular because those are going to be the determining factors. And we've seen them win games for Auburn, and we've seen them have tough performances that have led to losses. The other thing I want to talk about real quick before I go, because Bruce, man, when Bruce goes out of his way to mention something multiple times, you better take note. And this time it is the narrative, and he was talking about it in terms of like TV talking heads, which whatever. Um, but I've seen it from Auburn fans on Twitter and, you know, on social media and other, other places. And I, you know, I I get accused two times of hanging too hard on Twitter, especially considering not everybody who listens to this show is on Twitter, but kind of the narrative about the loss to Texas A&M and, oh, A&M wanted it more than Auburn. Auburn ready to play. Auburn overlooked, uh, Texas A&M, blah, blah, blah. All that, that narrative. Here's what Pearl said straight up. I continue to shake my head. I listen to the games that are being broadcast, and I understand we may have taken Texas A&M lightly, or maybe they wanted it more than we did or something like that. I just don't get it. We got outplayed. I got outcoached. They did a great job. They're a really good team, and I'm disappointed that they're not in because I thought they did a great job at the end of the year. But obviously, I think looking at who did get in and who didn't get in, boy, that resume throughout the year matters. It matters. When they say that it matters, it does. But I'd love to have gotten seven teams in the field instead of the six in front of the SEC. Again, I just want to refute. You don't go 15-3 and three in an 18-game schedule by not respecting every single opponent. And again, it wasn't that we weren't trying to win the SEC tournament and rest or we didn't take it seriously. We wanted to beat Texas A&M or Florida, and we got outplayed. But it wasn't because the kids weren't ready to play or that they weren't giving great effort or anything like that. It just rubs me so wrong. I hear it on another broadcast, and I hear it elsewhere too. It's just not accurate. I've been on both sides of it. I've done that, referring to his time as a broadcaster. I've done the coaching thing. It's just not accurate. Bruce got fired up man um, and i think i think it's really interesting that he <laughs> he pointed out it's like oh let's be clear guys we just lost the basketball game and he said this he said something like this after the game where he was like oh they didn't want it much. we didn't want it as much he's like yeah sure yeah sure we went to tampa and played in front of all these fans and didn't want it it's this narrative and he and he he made a point it's like you have to say something you have to write something and i guess the thing there is is that you know this basketball team just lost games. They just, they just got beat. You know, I think fans and media members, um, you know, and I'm not singling anybody out. I'm not singing, I'm definitely not singling anybody out on the Auburn beat um, because I think the people who cover this team do an excellent job across the board. But I think, especially when you talk about national media and you talk about people on TV and the talking heads, you have to say stuff like, oh, motivation or do they overlook something? And these, these, you know, these ambiguous, this junk that like, no, we, we have a reason. You know why Auburn lost to Texas A&M? Cause they couldn't shoot. Cause they couldn't hit anything. And Texas A&M played better than them. Right? It doesn't have to be amateur psychologists. It doesn't have to be, well, these kids obviously didn't want to hustle enough or didn't have enough energy. And you can tell it frustrates, probably frustrates members of these, team, members of these teams, because they put a lot into it. And, it's easier to say, it's easier for somebody to just be like, okay, well, here's why I think it didn't happen because of a thing that makes sense to me. No, just dig into the numbers. Dig into the strategy. Listen to what the coaches and the players are saying. Get a better understanding of the game of basketball. Auburn did not play well against Texas A&M, and they lost because of it. But to question these guys' effort and motivation and intensity and preparedness for it, I just no, you in the heat of battle, you got outplayed and you got outcoached. And so I keep seeing this over and over and over again from folks. And yeah, Auburn's not playing well recently and, they, and things have not have not trended well. But the fact that Pearl went out of his way, unprompted twice now to mention this, I think says something. Um cuz he's he's out there defending his dudes. And guess what? You're not going to get that all the time from every coach. I don't think there's I don't think every coach in the SEC is going to do that for for their guys. So, I just wanted to point that out because because I thought it was fascinating that that Bruce went out of his way to do this now twice heading into the NCAA tournament.
1: Our honest king, our transparent prince.
0: It's just uh, it's refreshing to hear that, right? And you know, yes,
1: because so many coaches are so uninteresting, and and, at they, least throw, and they throw the their curtain. boys under
0: the bus. They will throw their dudes under uh, the bus, yeah, yeah, constantly. Yeah, and I'll say and I'll say this, like, yeah, I mean, Bruce. He pumps up other teams, man. He 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 talks big. And he he didn't have a lot of big talking about Jacksonville State. I'm sure he'll be fully prepared on Thursday whenever they he talks about him. Just because it was just heat of the moment. He hadn't hadn't gotten to dig into him too much. Um yeah, I mean it not saying that everything the man says is, is is gospel when it comes to basketball, but I do appreciate their honesty and I do appreciate the perspective, and I think, you know, I'm not saying listen to me. Please don't hear me say listen to me or listen to us because we're we're giant idiots, obviously. We can't get any prediction right and we get stuff wrong all the time. But listen to what these players and what these coaches are saying. Listen to what people who know the game are talking about about this team. And don't be so quick to make the lazy narrative and the lazy comparisons. Like, ah, well, they just didn't didn't want it as much. I mean, yeah, of course, that's an easy thing to say if you don't want to, like, talk about (laughs) the real reasons, but... I don't know. It just it does a disservice to the, to the amount of work and the amount of effort and the amount of blood, sweat, and tears that these people put into this program. And that goes for not just Auburn, but for all these guys across college basketball and all these teams, from the coaches who get paid a lot of money to do it to the players who aren't getting paid any money to do it. But thankfully now they have things like NIL and other opportunities, and a lot of these guys are going to be played professionally very soon. Um, but I just wanted to end on that, you know. There's a lot to say about this Auburn team. There's a lot of negative that you can say in recent weeks that you can point to and say, oh, that's not good. They got to turn around to get better. I, I, I don't see. I, I'm with Bruce. You know, you don't go 15-3 and three by being a team that has bad focus or bad effort levels. You just don't do that.
1: They can go deep.
0: They can go deep or they could lose in the first weekend. They are the wild card. They, they play hot and they play cold in the backcourt. That's what's going to determine it the whole way. We will be there every step of the way, though. Um, looking forward to going to Greenville. Got a squad going to Greenville, man. All not right. only, not only, not only, not only our, uh, not only our friends here on the Auburn beat that do, like I said, do such an excellent job. Always fun hanging out with those guys. Had a short time in Tampa with them, but that was always fun. <laughs> kind of felt like old, kind of like felt like the old days, you know, getting to cover a, a, an event, you know, without all the same kind of precautions, and it just felt normal again. That was a whole lot of fun. Looking forward to it in Greenville. Got some uh, friends for who's friends got the and former scout? colleagues. Who's got the Go scout
1: ahead. on the Greenville dining scene?
0: All right, so I'm glad you said that. So it's going to be a uh, it, it, it's going to be a um, a a pitch here from my friend uh, Grace Rayner, uh, who covers Clemson at the Athletic. Uh, she uh, lives in the Greenville area because uh, it's not too far from Clemson. And uh, she has um, the rundown of Greenville options. go to her Twitter at GM Rainer. She has I'm not gonna read them all out right now uh, now, but she has picks for Italian places, southern uh, Mediterranean barbecue, brunch, uh, pizza bar sports bars to hang out, regular bars, ta- uh, taco spots, sushi, all that stuff. Go at GM Rainer. She's going to have the rundown of everything. So Auburn fans are making the trip to Greenville check out Grace's recommendations. Uh, She is, uh, she would not steer you wrong. I'm looking forward to hanging out with her and some of my friends that I used to work with at the athletic, uh, there'll be quite a few of them in in Greenville. So it's going to be a lot of fun seeing them and, and hanging out. So painter.
1: Now everybody wants to cover Auburn basketball.
0: Everyone wants to cover Auburn basketball. Now the, the, the hottest game in town. Um, we will, uh, we will talk to you guys later this week. Um, Enjoy the tournament. Um, we'll see what we do in terms of podcasts between now and then, but Auburn Jack State coming up. Uh, like I said, we'll have coverage of uh, – I'll have coverage at least on Twitter, maybe in the newsletter form as well, with Auburn football opening spring spring ball this week. Big, big week for them. Um, not ignoring them, not overlooking them, just, you know, the, we can't do four-hour podcasts, I guess, And although some of you I think might want us to. And uh, basketball just takes precedence right now. Um, because uh, it is the postseason for them, and it is way, way deep in the preseason for football. That's it for me. Painter, final thoughts.
1: We pray the good boys don't need Peyton Barber in this one.